0: Okay, today I'm back in the in the Star Sports Mayfair shop uh, with Jordan Hopkins. Jordan, thank you very much thanks for, for making me the journey then from Newmarket to uh, yeah. to see us here. Right, um, basically what alerted me you to me initially was people telling me that you're a very good judge, particularly on French racing.
1: Yeah, well, thanks to the people that have uh, mentioned it to you. So yeah, I've um, over the last sort of two or three years, probably about coming up three years now, um, I decided to sort of use Twitter as a vehicle to get some more exposure, really, and start posting bets onto Twitter, really. Um, Obviously, it's not an original thing. It was something that a lot of people have had had quite a lot of success from um, in the industry. so yeah, I've I've been doing that for sort of three years or so now, uh, all for free, and yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's just a, a way of just getting my name out there really because I'm not necessarily obviously I've gr- grown up sort of ten miles from Newmarket, um, and my granddad's been taking me racing since I was since I can remember, um, but I don't, I'm not necessarily from a racing background, and it's a very sort of closed shop, so I sort of knew from a quite a time ago that I wanted to get into racing at some point, um, and just had the foresight to think, let's sort of try and get a head start while I'm at uni, and just do this on long side and see where it goes.
0: Okay, so if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? Uh,
1: 23. I 23. Think, think about that then. Yeah,
0: so, so you've been putting them on there for about three years. Yeah. So how long have you been taking a serious interest in the form book? Um. Yeah, I think... The
1: ser- serious interest, obviously. Since, since, since I was, I've been going racing since I was what five or six, really. But the serious interest, I'd say, from sixteen onwards, perhaps. Um, it's, it's, I mean, the, the betting side of things. I obviously, it goes without saying, I do have a bet, but it's never been. It's always racing's always been my passion, really. Like I just sort of live and breathe it, um, and the, the betting side of things is just a, you know. It, without i i basically basically what i'm trying to say long story cut short is without betting i'd still be watching racing as much as i do um
0: well so, so because you're 23 yeah a lot of people have studied form seriously all their lives and they still can't make it pay now it's from I have serious interest at 16 studying it for seriously for three years and then having the confidence to put your bets up online. I mean, you know what a ferocious place Twitter can be if you start putting up a load of losers. So, I mean, how how have you got so good? I mean, what, what is it that you've got that nobody else has got? Or very few other people have got?
1: Yeah. I think, I think really, firstly, going back to what you said just before that with Twitter and having the... If, I think when when you're when you're tipping for me straight away it was a sort of thing where i'd i didn't want to do it unless there was any sort of account accountability accountability do it seriously anyway because to begin with it was just sort of a like like quite a lot of people would do is just sometimes you see people that don't not actually tip in um regularly but they'll say oh i fancy this today and I'll put a few things about it and i used to do that um and not record i didn't have like a profit and loss or anything it was just a you know i'll put, I'll just say i'd like this today or whatever um and with with that i mean when now it's a little bit different but when you're first doing that you you got to sort of not really worry about what sort of flack you're going to get for it if it loses because at the end of the day it's not you know it's not my i, I can't
0: no, Take you, your but, hand and put the bet on for you. You're being modest, aren't you? Because people tell me that your bets move the market now, so that is a lot. That means a lot of people must be following them. So, what I mean, how did you get to that point where you can pick so many winners? And we'll get to the reason why it's French racing in a minute. But I mean, you know, you, is there anything, or is it just something that comes natural to you? It's,
1: I, I guess it's, it's a. I've got a very, very good discipline with it. Really, so I can happily go through a card or several cards in a day. Um, find ten horses I think will go close, and if I don't get the prices that I want, I won't have a bet. So it's all about, which isn't a, again isn't an alien concept, it isn't original thinking. It's just um, having that mindset where you I I have to be beating the starting price long term make a profit long term, and if I'm not making a profit long term, there's no real point in betting anyway. No. So with, with the moving market, sorry, I was going off on a tangent. Yeah, no. But um, so it, it's become more of an issue. O- obviously, it, it's a sort of a simple thing, really. With the with the French markets, they, they're quite they're soft, really. Um, for whatever reason, the, no, there, there isn't a real interest in French. I don't think there's a... I think there's a real lack of interest in French racing in Britain. Um, and to be honest, at all really. Um, the reason, probably the main reason why the liquidity is so low um, and the markets are soft is because f- in France um, they, just, ha- they have just have the Paris Mutuel. So they just have their tote system. And generally that is where I, it would be a, a huge majority of the bet- betting in France that go, goes on. And obviously that's an independent market to our, exchange, the, the, the Betfair exchange and it's completely independent to bookmakers here. Um, so, to begin with, obviously, when I'm put if I'm putting something up with two or three thousand followers, I might, they might, they might get clips. It's obviously all to do with the volume of bets that are going on in a short space of time, um, and into a, into a soft market.
0: Yeah, know. but your bets are winning. That's what, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, how <laughs> how is it that you've found an edge to it that that nobody else cause a lot of people try and find winners and a lot of people try and price races up and a lot of people think oh this is value but most people still lose and you're 23 and you've been no offense to being 23 but you know it's quite inexperienced to oh, be yeah, so sure, good as yeah, you are i appreciate it, yeah um nobody tells me their secrets jordan so don't worry about yeah, well, it
1: <laughs> with, 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 with regard to that really i I wouldn't really say I have. I can pin something down. It's just more an intuitive thing for me now, really, in the the most modest way possible. I don't know. I just, I just, I can just watch a race and watching it one time live, I'll, I'll have already formed like quite a solid opinion on it. Uh, and I'm quite a strong believer as well in that first opinion is probably, you know you should stick by it and I sort of just I, I, I stick by whatever my opinion is on a race and that's that's the main thing really. Um,
0: so why French racing, there's lots of racing in the new market. Yeah
1: well <laughs> it's it, again it, it's probably probably I'm a bit before my time really because I suppose most 17, 18 year olds, I say 18 year olds really um, are looking at a they're not, they're not thinking oh let's find an edge and I've got, I'd be I'd be lying if I said that when I first started betting, I I was immediately thinking, oh, I've got to have an edge. Obviously, I was having, especially at uni, with a houseful of boys. Obviously, I was having bets that everyone, you know, weekend actors and whatnot, which I don't have now because I've learnt better of it. But having having that edge with French racing, no, nobody nobody wa- nobody watches it. Nobody really bets on it. Um, the trading for it then because it's not such a highly scrutinised market generally I just thought you know from an early point this is probably going to be something where
0: there's going to be more errors oh the, the people that price it up make the ricks and you yeah. spot them
1: yeah or not not necessarily huge ricks but you know why, why would why would they why would a bookmaker waste so much time on a market that's got £20 matched at, uh, three hours before the off so how ha- Having that it, it is that is the main reason, really. I do like I do like French racing and the way the way it works over there, um, but from a betting point of view, it's more or less just because it's I, I just find it easier to easy to um, beat
0: the starting price. Okay, so you say you watch a race and you can make your make your mind up about what you see. So are you watching every race? Or are you still delving into the French form book? I mean, is, are there resources there? Like over here, you've got pro form. Would you, have you got that sort of tools or do you not need them at the moment?
1: So I'll be honest, I don't use anything other than... Any, well, I say that. My my main thing is just race replays and having just forming my opinion on you know form and just looking at a horse physically Yeah. and forming an opinion around that. Obviously, there's, France Gallo is the main... Like at the races equivalent or racing post equivalent over there, Um, and that's a very good site um, for French racing and the only real go-to really because they have all of the replays at every track across the country. Whereas racing post and at the race will tend to miss um, meetings that aren't televised. Uh, It's to do with the PMU. Basically, most all all the um, meetings that the PMU cover, the form will be on the racing post not the races but the ones that don't they'll miss so you if you don't have that French racing website you're going to miss potentially half of a horse's form
0: so do you cover it all then? you don't specialise
1: sorry do you cover
0: it all the French racing would you take you know would you take it all into account or do you specialise on certain types
1: so I I'm predominantly a flat racing fan and obsessive really like I don't Jumps I, I I watch and somewhat enjoy, but I'm definitely more flat, and obviously that probably or definitely correlates to the fact that I'm near Newmarket. new um, market. But with um, covering all all of the French racing, I I will tend to focus on maidens, black type races, and conditions races there. Um, that I I I like the way from a at least irrespective of anything else from a, from a betting point of view um betting on french racing uh, the way their race program works is slightly different to ours where they're, they're, there's a big emphasis on conditions conditions races um whereas your conditions races here you, most of them generally tend to be like the one at newmarket on the weekend where you have a three-runner field with a horse that's miles ahead of the other two that are there to pick up you know there to pick up the prize money basically um conditions races there it's the next, it's usually just the next step after a horse has broke its maiden, um, as opposed to here, where you'll have a horse that breaks its maiden and then goes into novice company under a penalty. Generally it's there that they go to this conditions um, grade, which I find generally it's, it's quite easy sometimes for me to find a horse that has been well placed in a conditions race after breaking its maiden and is potentially just you know, a stone ahead of the field. Um, and you're basically, you're then, you're then betting group horses against inferior company, basically. And there's a lot, due to that race programme set up with condition races, you have so many more opportunities where that becomes possible. And that's obviously the dream, really. A group horse, odds against, against a load of
0: handicappers. And a talent to spot. There, um, so do you bet, I assume you don't, be you betting to the French tote markets at all?
1: Um, so it's, it's quite difficult to do it now um, or at least in my experience because um, from what I gather I, I never used it but RaceBets is a German bookmaker um, and since Brexit it's geo-blocked so you can't actually get on through them now but they had a, you, could, you could access the PMU um, French Tote through, through that you can bet through the French Tote market through Bet365 uh and their win pools option but i mean c- you know keeping a 365 account um is just about as hard as getting a bet on the pmu really and i i wouldn't be well versed enough to know which shops across the country take le- that will lay at pmu but i'm assuming there still is um you, you're able to do it in shop but but do you
0: think they would be beatable how often do you see a horse that wins which is bigger than the price that you would have made it
1: in france um, it's the thing is, it's, it's difficult for me really because because I that's a stupid thing to say really, but because I obviously my main thing is I I want a price that's you know generally a hundred percent bigger than what I make it. When you're betting into a, into a tote market, you can't guarantee what you're going to get paid out. Yeah. So when you say beatable. Um, Obviously, as, as, as the liquidity fills before the off, you're going to have a better, better understanding of what price you're going to n- nearly get, and especially at bigger meetings. Um, if, say, you want a horse at 7 to 1, and it's 9 to 1, two minutes before the off, on art weekend, generally, it's probably not going to go off
0: shorter than 7 to 1. So, you know. Yeah. Yes. Quite a close shop in terms of getting into
1: the industry. Um, you know, lo- lots of it is um, who you know, not what you know. Or I say not what you know. It's certainly a, there's a big emphasis on who you know. Obviously, you have to be well versed as well because it's such a complex industry. But um, yeah, not not for a racing background in the sense that I mean, my my dad's a research scientist, my mum's a teacher. My granddad, who took me racing, was my racing background. As such, was a painter and decorator. So, um, yeah, it's, not, it's it's just my I guess my racing background would be more from the fact that my granddad would like a little bet, you know, on the weekends and liked going to Newmarket. And Do you take
0: you sit you along with him?
1: Yeah, that's it, yeah. It wasn't like some of these stories I hear. Like when you know, it wasn't a bit. He wasn't a big gambler at all. Um, he just loved racing like me really just loved loved it for the sport um but he was a very good judge really and he he certainly could have um he could have done well for me if he wanted to it was just more just a fun thing for him so it wasn't like i was going around doing bookie runs at newmarket for him, <laughs>
0: having wads but on but uh was he educating you into the finer points of racing is that how you've got yeah well, you knowledgeable so young certainly yeah so like with the um
1: I guess, like I was saying before, with with having a, the main the main thing for me is having a like a solid discipline, and by that I mean, I set a boundary for if this horse is a bet or not, and if it if if I don't get a price I want, I will just leave it. He sort of inst not nec- he didn't necessarily instill that because I mean, he wouldn't he would never have had a really big bet. I think the biggest bet he had was on Golden Horn for the Derby, and I can't remember what it was, but it would have been less than a hundred pounds. Um, but he just instilled that sort of um you know it's a dangerous game if you get like 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 any sort of parent figure or parent or grandparent would really to a to someone young in their family like obviously be
0: aware of the risks with gambling and um yeah just so, so you went to pass boardings, you obviously did well at school because you went to university royal holloway yeah. and you graduated with the first in biology yeah so Did you already have half an eye on the bloodstock industry before you did that?
1: Yeah, so um, it was before I went to university that I sort of started taking a, started to think I definitely want to work in racing. Um, What avenue can I go down? So actually, initially, the plan was I was going to do that the three-year biology degree that I did, and then go and do a vet degree after and then possibly go down the one veterinary route um but for for one reason i i just throughout uni i sort of that that was that would have been when i've started to you know improve my just being a better judge i guess
0: were you making it pay during university then?
1: uh yeah well obviously university is quite a um expensive experience especially with you know nightlife and what so yeah, i say it w- making it pay. I'd say it covered my expenses. Put it that way.
0: So you managed or, to find time to study the racing and go out partying and do all the university sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. So luckily, yeah, and still managed to find a little bit of time for studying, which is good. But um, yeah. Uh, Sorry, yes.
0: So, did you, so question. did you do the course to, in, to get into? Did you already have an eye on the thoroughbred a breeding industry as yes. such?
1: So, it was probably like two years in. Then I decided that I didn't really want to go down the veterinary route, um, and I wanted to get myself into into the racing industry in a in a different fi- sector. And bloodstock just seemed the most um, being a bit or becoming a bloodstock agent down the line. Seemed seemed probably the most. Suitable for me, really, because um, it just—it really it's just an an ideal job. Like it just combines everything. You just have to be a a very good form judge, um, and the thing that I'd needed need to elevate after that is the um, more the conformational side of things. Um, you know, knowing what to look for in a horse, uh, is particularly with yearlings, because I mean, as much as it's very much a there's, there's obviously luck involved when you're buying a healing. Um You want to know, you know, when you you don't want to buy something that's hopping lame or pigeon toed. So yeah, it, 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 that 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 that's sort of the route I've been going down or towards since since I halfway through my degree and I'd they're say, the biggest
0: probably. gamblers a lot on they pin hookers and and you know people that buy young horses because they don't have to be pigeon-toed or lame they can look like a million 12 million dollars in one case and they can end up to be useless
1: yeah well exactly yeah
0: so um you work now for or you do you're associated with Stroud coleman bloodstock
1: yeah so um it's with matt coleman who's um he works with anthony stroud and they have a bloodstock agency a very successful bloodstock agency in newmarket uh, Matt actually contacted me through um, my Twitter account, uh, probably over, a, over well over a year ago now, and it, initially it was just um, just saying, you know, obviously you do well versed in the French form book, uh, keep in touch, and let me know if you see anything that wants that buying, basically, um, and. I met, met met with him for lunch in Newmarket, and after that, I went to quite a few. Been going to quite a few of the sales with him since, so mainly the horse and training sales, um, because certainly at the moment, uh, that's my that's my forte really, because there really those sales you're looking for a horse with an angle that somebody's missed, something just clever that you know this horse is running over five that wants a mile or. Obviously, that's a very simplified example, but some something along those lines. Um, he, I, 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 I do that um, for him. Go for a catalogue, and hopefully, try and find something that's you know just he can he can then look at that he might have missed. Just right, helping. So, him out so what you bring things.
0: to the table then is you go methodically through the form and through the breeding. <laughs> yeah. And highlight horses, and then he does the the looking at them, or is that something you've trained your eye for as well now?
1: Yeah. So certainly trained my eye for it would be a good way of explaining it really, because I've tried to do that as much as I can over the last sort of few years as well. Um, but yeah, obviously I'm no expert in that for the moment anyway, and uh, I would I would go around with Matt, um, you know, assessing the confirmation as well, but it's more, that would be more really the shadow inside of it with the work with Matt, is I'm trying to absorb as much information from him as possible, because he's definitely the best judge I know. And uh, yeah, it's, it's also, it, it happens to know pretty much everyone. So it's good networking as well, which is good.
0: So I'm guessing that if you're going through the form book, you're going through two but you're going through the stub book and the form book. Yeah. So you're going to get a lot deeper than if you're just trying to find the winner of the next race. Oh yeah, for
1: sure, yeah. So is, is this from a sales point of view? Yeah. You mean? Yeah, so like I say, really, because Matt is such a good judge, I'm not just going through and find. I, there's, there's no point in me going through and finding something really that's a last time out winner rated ninety. That's and it, it depends what the order is as well because there's, there's quite a lot of orders, So you know, there might be an order for um, a horse with a rating to go to Dubai to race in some Carnival. Um, uh, something like uh, Alignac that Jamie Osborne bought last year and then took him to Dubai. Uh, you know. He, I think he was a five-year-old, six-year-old, five-year-old at the time he bought him, with a rating. Really, with a horse like that, there's not really an awful lot. You put, you're not, you're not going to really improve him if you are racing in England. Um, but targeting those races over there, races that he can qualify for with his rating, um, that sort of thing. You know, you have to have different angles for different orders. Um, Be, yeah, just, it, it's more for me. It's more trying to find, trying to find something that he might have missed which is difficult but I do my best
0: okay so people think of the blood stock industry they think about the very top where it's multi-million pound purchases and yep. horses and i mean but what are the odds of hitting the actual big time so well
1: there's been there's a lot of um, very good judges i say i say at a lower level but i mean you can i say when you're competing with the big boys like Godolphin Coolmore. I think everything else below is probably a lower level in that description. Um, but you mentioned hooking earlier. I mean, that that is certainly an avenue where you... you there's a... It's obviously very risky. Um, but, I mean, um, as an example, actually, there was a filly that was supposed to run this afternoon at Nottingham. Uh, Naomi La, pa- La Paglia. She was bought, I think... To, I think she was a 2,000 uh, guineas yearling and sold for 110 I think it was at the breeze-up sale so I mean obviously you, you're, you're accounting for um, fees in between, getting them, prepping them for the sale, but obviously that's a huge profit and I say, I mean the big time I guess, I don't really know what that, that encompasses <laughs> but I wouldn't mind having a £100,000 profit on a, on a yearling, that wouldn't be too bad.
0: But Well, you talked about, you said your words, working at the, at the lower level. So is the concentration there on the sort of hoping to upgrade from good to great? Or let's get the best sprinter for the money that we've been given, for example. So, we, you know, you look into, you're saying you're trying to find stuff that other people haven't spotted. Yeah. So would, would that be the constant aim at that, that sort of grade? Yeah, so...
1: Particularly at the hit sales, um, horse and training sales, it, it's a diff, it's kind of a difficult question to answer because really, there's, a, you, you, there's a, there'll be a lot of orders and a lot a of, lot of the orders are very unique, so you're not necessarily fine going for a horse with the money that best horse you can get for the money, because there's so many variables you have to consider really, particularly with um, buying from certain yards, and I won't name any names, but like, for whatever reason, you might this horse might tick so many boxes, but because it's with a certain certain said trainer, you're then thinking, you know, why? Firstly, why is it in the sale? Why is he trying to get rid of it? He's a very good trainer. Are we going to improve it? Probably not. So, so so many things, so many things have to come into, under consideration of those horse and train sales. But that, that's what makes it so interesting for me really because you know you you might think you're onto a winner but you have it vetted and it's I don't know got three three nails in its cannon or something and you know then that's a that's a cross Hmm.
0: I was going to say about the um, being some people aren't all that polite about certain trainers and other trainers are good at improving horses do you think maybe that's because they've got a skill of buying from particular yards because they think they can improve on what that trainer's abilities are. Oh,
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a, you know, completely dog eat dog game. Those sales are really, just, you know, there's no, you can't really take any prisoners because whether you're gonna, whether you're going to upset someone by taking a horse off them rated sixty and then a year down the line it's rated ninety five and you're selling it for ten times more than what you bought it for you can't really take that you can't really you know worry about that um but yeah that's definitely a lots of the um shrewd shrewder operators at those horse and train sales um that are looking for horses to improve buying horses that are trained in england or the uk and racing them continuing to race them in the uk to improve them is a very difficult thing to do really it's probably the most difficult thing to do at those sales so you have to be very shrewd with your buying um like people the horse watchers would be a good example um and they've had a lot of success obviously with buying from certain yards and they've, they've no doubt got you know angles and trainers they definitely prefer to buy from like we all do i suppose so
0: yeah right jordan this is uh now i biomechanics is a word i've Been hearing from young, especially young and sort of upcoming people in the bloodstock industry. So I've made a point now of asking everybody of that ilk what it what they think of it because I'm fascinated by it. So can you tell me what are your opinions on biomechanics?
1: Yeah, so I think, like you say, it's it's uh, probably certainly in the last few years it seems to have accelerated quite a bit, and it's it's quite a I don't know, not too fancy a word, but it's a bit of a fancy word just to throw into 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 the into the pot really um, yeah I I think cause obviously you did you, I've watched the uh, interview you did, oh sorry I did watch the interview you did with Tom Wilson of uh, his Racing Square business It's very interesting he's definitely he's definitely on to, he's certainly on to something there um, but the main t- the positive I'd say from that is he's particularly with um, which which is what it is, it's it's, it's a system of buying yearlings really mainly. And um, if you're not there to see that horse physically and assess it confirmationally and have that judgment, it's very, very difficult to be, you know, recommending. I've I've had sort of things recently this year where I've had pictures sent to me um, of horses at, at sales and they can be like, some of them can be offset so you you need to you need to have a horse square on so you can assess you know it's difficult to explain would it it
0: be like when you told me earlier when you do your you do all your form study the extra form study the all about the pedigrees and then you think right this is one i could recommend now yeah would the extra 25 quid i think it is that you have to spend on a biomechanics profile of that horse save you sometimes wasting the time with the person at the sales would that be? Would that would that sort of work as an li- extra bit of information? Well, sure, sure. Yeah. So I was going off on a bit of a tangent, but basically, what
1: what what I was getting at: if you don't have someone on the ground um, that you trust, which is, you know, is is a very, it's going to be a very useful tool. I've no doubt it's going to, you know, prove very popular if it isn't already, um, because then you've got that you've got that som- something there at least that you can form a trusted opinion on um aside from the, the you know not but yeah basically you have to have when you're throwing throwing around sort of tens of thousands or more you want to have something really solid to back it up and that's definitely something or an, or a uh, a solution to the problem of not being so some like the Keenan sales i know he does or through the videos like you know, perhaps he's not going to go all the way to kingland to go to this Ealing sale. He has that there then um, to form a solid opinion on it.
0: Okay. No, I spoke to a, a successful professional punter about this a while back, and he just gave me a yeah. wry smile, as if to say, maybe I do, maybe I don't, when I'm not telling you about right. these prof, you know these um, biomechanics profiles. Yeah. Do you think ultimately it would be useful? Like, the, so there would be a pattern in over years, so you could tell if a horse is going to go on heavy. If a horse is going to go on, good to you know, is that possibly going to be a punter's armory tool? As the programs get better, would you be able to sort of say that definitely won't go on this ground because that's the way it moves?
1: Certainly, I mean, from from a from a race analysis point of view, for me anyway, that is something that definitely comes into strong consideration from in what watching racing and running uh, over time develop sort of a good understanding of what I'm looking for for a horse that's going on wants a softer deck or a quicker deck basically um, with at the sails that watching a horse walk um, you're not going to have um, if they have like an erratic knee action that wants you know, the, the, or they're a poor mover that's probably going to want soft the ground it's more difficult to see that when they're walking because the movement obviously when you're walking you're not lifting your legs up as high but with a um, program like that um, where you can you know statistically test the angulation of of the of joints and whatnot um walking that's certainly something I think probably could be a an angle of trying to and trying to work out does what
0: knowing what you're looking at you know uh, you're sort of learning to know what horses are supposed to look like etc does that Give you a bit of an edge as a punter as well. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, more so the fact that in the betting ring, or I mean, it's it, it something that's you know the vast majority of poll money probably doesn't pe- pe- people that people that are betting probably don't have that knowledge. So it is a it is an edge. You've got an edge over someone that doesn't have that knowledge. Right. So. Yeah, certainly. Like the main reason I go racing in the UK is, is, is for that reason. Because you're not, you're not going to improve your ability to l- know what a horse looks like or pick up just inklings incl- of things that, and form your own opinion of what, a horse,
0: what you want a horse to look like. That's what I was going to you ask you. Pra-
1: unless you practice you know,
0: physically. Yeah, you try and go racing f- at least three days a week. Yeah, so that's so, uh, why it's important to be there. Are you like there? Are you in the pre parade ring with a little notebook in the pouring rain? That's yeah, yeah. Thing. Well, Not, qu- not quite.
1: Um, not quite with the notebook. I have done it in the past, but it's more just like I'll have um, a, a rating scale of certain things, um, and sometimes I'll do if sometimes I write that in the program, but it won't be like a, any extensive notes. It will just be something I can just quickly scan over before a race. Um, but yeah, three, three times, two or three times a week in the, in the height of the flat season, um, I did. I was going two or three times a week this year. Um, st- I graduated la- just over a year ago, and since then I've spent sort of the last year trying to network as much as possible, go to sales, a lot of racing, um, and obviously I've been doing the, the tipping thing on Twitter. But um, yeah, it's very it's hugely important. Uh, horses can look. Li- horse people don't understand horses c- horses can lose lose their race in the parade ring before they've gone out they can lose it in the pre parade ring uh, and having being there is the only way to know you know what's going on uh, and also probably the mo- probably the most important thing is watching horse go to post as well
0: yeah, there's so much racing these days a lot of people just see the race don't they yeah well exactly. Which is yeah. the edge okay so you are also a regular in France with the group weight races yeah is that work or pleasure or both um
1: mainly pleasure uh but I suppose it's more I'm there I suppose it is work really but more more th- th- this past year has been the first year I've done it i think I've been six or seven times to France for racing but it's it's been more I branch it out of networking but I know I say that obviously I'm going there because I enjoy going to the races but you know it, you never know who you're gonna bump into and obviously I was go I was going then to to meet people over the, planning to meet people over the weekend when I was there um, and go to yard visits and stuff for friends uh, t- t- like Gavin Hearn. Um, me and my friend went for the French guineas and he had us at Chanty to see his yard over the which is great um and is that
0: your new market connections kicking into gear though uh,
1: sort with of introductions yeah with, with with Gavin i do you know I don't actually know how I've met Gavin, but Matt knows him. Um, Matt Coleman who I do the bloodstock stuff for and I, I'm assuming it would have been something to do with that um, and just loosely kept in contact with him and I, knew, I knew I was we were going over for um, the Guineas and just asked if we could go to Shanti because I'm mean it's a, I, I'm also quite a regular on the Gallops at Newmarket um, certainly at the start of the year I was going pretty much every morning um, in the lead up to the Guineas um, that's certainly a
0: that With a trainer, or do you have to try and work out which horses? Oh no,
1: that's that's not with a trainer. That's I'll, I'll just qu- I'll come on to that off quickly in a minute. But but, but comparing that new market to Chantilly, I mean it's it's I can't, cannot describe how different they are. Like they're so similar in so- certain ways. Like it's a small sort of kind of a sub, it's not a suburb of Paris, but it's just north of Paris. And there's I'm not sure how many train centers there are, but there will be there will be over fifty. Like there is a new market, um, but it's so quiet there, and it's so idyllic and not the new market isn't. Well, I say that. I mean, it's not the prettiest place in the world. It is to me, but um, it's it's so much different. And I think horses that you know, I've, I've seen it as well. Horses that have come over from Shanti and bought to race in England, they turn up at Newmarket and it's like they don't know what's hit them because it's just they just can't handle the fracas of it in the morning and. You know, just, it's just a crazy place running new market. A race course is the same as well.
0: In the summer in, in the UK, a big, big flat meeting, you'd have a job to be a, a studious professional around the paddock when you have all what's going on.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah so is sure. it
0: similar in France or is it a lot more relaxed?
1: In France, the, the difference, well, there aren't a lot of people that go on course now, really. But, I mean, at the big meetings, like the, say, Guineas weekend at Newmarket, it will be, be rammed. Uh, we went over to the French guineas, me and my friend, and I mean, it was barely anyone there basically like you're thinking oh it 's going to be really busy um What I tend to find in France is particularly at long if they have the after after race after race course um gigs on after like the d j sets tends to be very busy for that, and people generally tend to be going for, for all that mm-hmm. it's not not there isn't a massive horse racing culture there really in terms of, it, it's more seen as a, um, how do I put it, people go there to bet rather than love the sport. Obviously there will be people that love racing
0: and go racing like me,
1: but it's a lot lot more um, betting focused.
0: Okay, we're well back to your betting. Yeah. You, 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 we, we originally talked about you've become noticed by a lot of people because of your bets on Twitter. Now, your bets on Twitter make you know, they move the market and people have made a lot of money from them, so I've been told. Uh, but you haven't seen a horse in the paddock at all when you put those bets up. So do, does the value that you're getting outweigh that yeah. advantage?
1: Exactly, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. So basically, obviously, you're not seeing a horse. I, I try to have... Oh, sorry. That's my microphone going. Um, I try to have... Bets going up in the morning because it has to be a balance between giving enough time to get people on, particularly with most of the French meetings start early morning, uh, and also um, yeah, I mean anyone that's tipping really, you you can't you can't take that into consideration because you'll be putting a horse up five minutes before the off, and really you can't really be recording results in that because I mean well there there could well be but um, generally. Yeah, you, you, I'm taking an opinion on a on a morning mar- morning line market, and by the time, obviously, I'm I'm sh- I'm affecting the market quite a bit now. But if I've got it wrong, wildly wrong, there's no way they're going to still. I'm not going to still be beating the SP as much as I am. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, generally, I'm going to be getting it right more more often than not. Okay. You
0: no, know. most people, not being a cynic. <coughs> excuse me. Most people that are very good at tipping winners go on. They go on Twitter and they tip little winners, and everybody makes a nice few quid. And then they suddenly say, "Oh, it's um twenty-five quid a month, or fifty quid a month, or a hundred quid a month." Is was that in your mind when you started doing it, or is it literally uh, just because you wanted to to prove yourself to everybody to make your name for for you know for like a career?
1: Yeah. To To begin with, um I. Over time, I've sort of slowly realised that it's a very, you know, I, I don't have any issue with peop- people that charge all the idea of it now. Whereas to begin with, um, it was sort of a, why would you do that if you're making, if you're turning the profit yourself? You know, why, why do you need people to pay you to do it? But really, when you look at it from a point of view where it's a service and people are profiting from service, it's no different to paying for someone to do stock trading for you, really. Um, and as time's gone on I mean the difficulty of getting on um, obviously that's probably the driver for some people that do go in charge it's, it's easier actually just to give the advice let other people do the betting they give you the money and you just you know you're just doing the form study you're not betting it yourself and it takes away that stress as well so at the, at the moment obviously it's um, it's a I've fa- I'd send the best of family and fr- some family and friends before it goes on to twitter as well, and you know that that does certain bookmakers um will nudge prices in due to marked accounts with them that they're obviously noticing patterns they're not daft mm-hmm. um, but yeah they ch- charging i the thing it, it mainly was was a thing for me where I want to get my name out there and that's not a long term career goal for me so as much as I'm not averse to the idea of it, if if I need, if, I, if it comes to the point where I, I haven't got a um, position in the industry, and that would be an option, uh, it would mainly be because, to tackle the price crash issue, and hopefully try and get people to get the prices that I'm advising.
0: Okay, now you talked about career goals, you're 23. What are your long-term career goals, finally?
1: Um, yes, long-term career goals, um, ideally, at the moment, definitely. Da- down the line, I'd like to have my own bloodstock agency, or at least be working as a bloodstock agent. And yeah, that that be that'll be the dream for me. Um, the, the, the the only issue with that is just having the financial backing, because you're essentially you're working off, you're, you're being paid commission, uh, five generally five percent commission on um, purchase price. So you need the financial backing from people that trust your opinion, and I'm only going to get that from experience and getting my way in so i'm going to just hopefully work my way up
0: well anybody watching that they can help jordan here he is and i'll spe- we'll hopefully interview you in 20 years time when you're uh, yeah. at the pinnacle of the bloodstock mudstock industry jordan hopkins That's thank good. you very
1: much thanks a lot, Simon. appreciate it